the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, Hope you're having a fabulous um, new year and um, may 2017 be a blessed year for all of us including of course um, uh, uh, those um, who are struggling uh, in uh, areas where there is um, uh, a lot of wars and a lot of conflicts Uh, we pray that uh, this year will be a year uh, that will bring peace and joy, and uh, we also pray that uh, those who do not know uh, the Prince of Peace, our Lord Jesus Christ, that they will make uh, a decision this year to follow Him as their Lord and Savior. It's always a pleasure to uh, um, serve you and to uh, be on the radio show. Thank you again for your prayers and your support. Uh, This is, as I keep mentioning, our third season, and uh, you can always visit uh, our new website, Sierra International, that's C-I-R-A international.com. And in there, there is a section called Let Us Reason, where you can find all of our archive shows with titles, dates, and uh, uh, descriptions uh, to help you navigate uh, through this archive and uh, listen to the ones that you are interested in. And you can always access it, of course, through the website for KPXQ 1360, Uh, You can also access us uh, through uh, SoundCloud uh, forward slash Let Us Reason. Any of those ways will enable you to access our website and, of course, uh, our uh, archived uh, radio shows. And you can always visit our website just to uh, learn about what we do and watch some of our videos, share it with others. Uh, We really built uh, some wonderful video tools uh, for you to use when you're discipling or even outreach, doing your outreach with um, Muslims and uh, especially uh, those from uh, the Middle East. Today's topic has to do really with something that is uh, uh, really um, uh, dear to the Muslim heart, and that's the the scripture that they call the Quran, the book that I believed in as the Word of God for all of my life when I lived as a Muslim. And I memorized most of it. Uh, Many Muslims uh, memorize portions of it. Some even memorize the entire book. Uh, where I grew up in Saudi, there were competitions for young men, uh, uh, you know, young boys, and even uh, in the uh, uh, female schools for young girls to uh, memorize the whole Quran, and there are monetary rewards for those who did it. But the thing is this, um, memorizing something is one thing, trying to understand its message, it's another. And that's really the issue with the Quran, where Not everybody is qualified to understand its ancient Arabic language. 
Some of its terminologies are foreign to even an Arab speaker. And even if you um, began to decipher and understand what's going on, there are so many opinions to interpret certain passages. And at the same time, really depending where you live, it can cause you uh, a lot of trouble if you begin to question some of the content. Uh, let's say you raise uh, basically awareness about something troubling in there. You didn't like the message. Uh, you feel like the interpretation is not really representing what you're reading. Uh, uh, maybe you have some doubts about some of the things that are mentioned in there. So all of that can really cause you some grief and cause you some problems. But that's one issue. And uh, hopefully we will do an expanded series on the Quran alone. But the other problem uh, that deals with the Quran is the manuscript uh, problem of the Quran. Um, you know, there is only a limited number of families of manuscripts of the Quran compared to the families of manuscripts that the Bible has. And uh, when you look at those manuscripts of the Quran, for instance, one of them um, uh, is uh, al Husseini, basically found in Egypt. There is uh, one in top copy uh, found uh, basically in uh, uh, Turkey, Samarkand, uh, found also in the uh, uh, old Russian Union area, basically uh, in that town. And there are some that are found in the British Museum, uh, mainly the Hijazi or the Mayal uh, manuscript. You have also uh, some that are found in the, in Paris. Uh, but when, when you do an examination as a Quranic scholar, Quranic manuscript scholar, you begin to do an examination of those uh, manuscripts, uh, many issues begin to arise. And the issues can include things like uh, incomplete manuscript. For instance, uh, at least based on the Available information, the best available manuscript of the Quran, those that are found in Samarkand and also found also uh, in uh, Turkey, uh, contain only a portion of the Quran, like about 40 to 42 uh, uh, chapters of the Quran. Keep in mind, the Quran today has 114 chapters. Um, uh, the one in the British Museum contains almost uh, half of the Quran only. Uh, so why is that problem? Uh, well, it's a problem because the Quran, uh, Muslims are taught to believe that the Quran is preserved, is perfect. It's uh, the, the Quran you read today is exactly the same Quran that was revealed during the time of the prophet, uh, which he became a prophet in the year 610 AD. And uh, by the time of his death in 632, that was 23 years during which the Quran was revealed, 13, first 13 years of his ministry was in Mecca, that's known as the Mecca Quran, and the last 10 years of his ministry was in Medina, known as the Medinan Quran. And there is differences in style, by the way, uh, differences in the message between the, both parts, and we'll deal with that later. But nevertheless, um, when you uh, begin to examine those available manuscripts, none of them, none of them uh, could be dated back to uh, 7th century. Uh, most of them date early 8th, mid 8th, or late 8th, and then you go from there. Uh, the majority of writing style known as the Kufi, the Kufi style, because in reference to Kufa, which is found also in southern portions of Iraq and um, uh, western region um, uh, borders, I should say, of Persia, it's found in there. And that became the prominent uh, writing. Now, if you want to find something earlier than that, uh, usually, if it was 
in the region of Hijaz, where the Prophet received his message, supposedly, and where he grew up in Mecca or Medina, then the writing and the script should be in something called the Hijazi, or also another term for it is the Mayal. Mayal in Arabic, in English, means slanted. Why? Because the handwriting is slanted, actually. When you look at it, it's kind of angled. Well, long and behold, in 1972, uh, there was a mosque known as the Great Mosque in Sana'a, Yemen, the capital of Yemen, was being remodeled. And as uh, the process of remodeling this um, uh, mosque was uh, taking place, uh, the workers discovered thousands of perishments uh, that had some writings on them. Now, they didn't know at first glance what those uh, represented until the director of the uh, restoration project, a a German scholar by the name Hurt Poen, who uh, at the University of Saarland in Germany, um, uh, examined them and discovered, actually, that those about 12,000 Quranic perishment or fragments uh, that um, discovered those were actually distinct Quranic manuscripts. And, um, of course, that was an exciting news for everybody involved. And then they began to do some additional examination and analysis of those, and it is then that they began to discover some problems with this particular, uh, basically, um, uh, perishment. First of all, the exciting thing is that when they dated it, they discovered that it would have been close to the time of the prophet, like early 7th century to mid-7th century. But you would expect at that time, of course, if this is something close to the time of the prophet, that means it will contain... Uh, the Quran that was revealed by the Prophet. And if the theory is correct that the Quran you have today is the exact Quran that was revealed at the time of the Prophet, then it should go without saying that they both will match. The problem is they don't. Another problem that was discovered in this so-called Sana manuscript is that it contains, when you examine it under ultraviolet lighting, it contains... Uh, another layer of writing that was erased. In fact, those uh, who study uh, manuscripts know this um, uh, phenomenon as palmist. The palmist basically is the scribes who wipe off a writing uh, on a piece of leather and they rewrite on it. Why? Because it's expensive usually to uh, come up with those uh, uh, pieces of papyra or, or, I should say, leathers and perishments to write on. And at the same time, usually, before they do this, this perishment would have lasted for at least 100 years, give or take. You know, uh, That's the average. Some even will estimate it could have been 150 uh, years before they did something like that. But here, we discover that it was done, if indeed... That was the Quran that was revealed during the time of the Prophet. It was done, actually, either uh, during the time of the Prophet or almost immediately after the time of the Prophet. Why would anyone remove something and rewrite on it? Upon examining uh, the first layer and the second layer, they discovered, the scholars who did this, discovered that the the current layer that you can see uh, is part of chapter 2 of the Quran, and uh, one of those folios, folio uh, number 7, actually, contains uh, passages from... Uh, verse 265 to 271. Um, they went ahead also in there and did the ultraviolet uh, lighting 
uh, and X-ray testing, fluorescent imaging at Stanford University, and they discovered that the lower text actually covered chapter 2, same chapter, versus 191 to 196. But the problem is they discovered that there are variations between uh, whatever they uncovered in layer 2 compared to the current Quran, and also in the, uh, in the present layer, the upper layer, so we're going to call the upper layer the one that you can see. The lower layer is the one that was removed. Both the upper layer and the lower layer contain variations from the current Quran. Now, what does that tell us? Well, there are many things, of course, we can learn from this. One of those things is that uh, there has been some modifications to the message in the Quran. It's quite clear that whatever that was recorded in the lower layer, the original layer, didn't match something. And a few years later, somebody came back and removed it and rewrote on top of it. So there has been some changes that took place. Now, this tells us that there were multiple, basically, messages that are being heard. And some disagreed with the messages that were written and wanted to put the message that they assumed to be the correct one. But the problem is, even if we compare those layers, the upper layer and the lower layer, with today's Quran, still there is variations. What does that tell us? It tells us that between then, the 7th century, and now, there has been multiple efforts to keep editing and revising the Quran until we got to what we know as the fixed standard text. And that's the Cairo text, basically, which, by the way, was standardized in 1924, if that tells you anything. So this is why it is going to be a big deal, simply because Muslims learned all of their life that the, their fundamental belief that no word of the Quran has changed, and um, it's unique, it's been preserved, basically, in the heavens, and therefore, the Quran today is the same Quran that was revealed at the time of the Prophet of Islam until you begin to discover that this is really not the case. Now, this, uh, you know, this is one of the issues uh, with this manuscript. Another major issue with this manuscript that it does have missing words which indicate that those words were added at a later time. For instance, if we look at chapter 9, verse 74, in the current standard text, it will say, speaking about a certain group of people, say, if they turn away, Allah, or God, will punish them with a painful punishment in the world and the hereafter. And there will not be for them on earth any protector or helper. If we look actually at folio 16R as in Romeo, Z as in zebra, dot 13, in the Sana Yemen uh, uh, manuscript, uh, which known as the uh, DAM, David uh, Alpha um, uh, Micah, uh, DAM 01-27.1. The translation reads, They turn away, if they turn away, Allah will punish them in this world. Notice, in the current text it reads, Allah will punish them in this world and the hereafter. 
But in the original writing in this Sanaa manuscripts, it only says Allah will punish them in this world. So there is something missing here, which is the hereafter, which apparently was added later. And then it continues in the original text saying, And there will not be for them on earth any protector. Okay, so if we look at the context of this particular verse, it seemed like the original one actually makes sense because it talks about earthly things and therefore talking about now and the here and now and earth, earth and the world is the context and the theme versus the standard text of today added the word hereafter, uh, whether intentionally or unintentionally, we don't know, of course, but nevertheless, it's taken this punishment to the next level with the claim that the punishment is here and later. So theologically, this could be damaging because there are many things that could stand on this. Uh, This can really be uh, persuasive sometimes to people who maybe wanted to walk away from Islam and all of a sudden they discover that there is punishment here and punishment later. And also, what is this punishment here? I mean, are we talking about punishment here in the hand of God by way of suffering? Or are we talking about punishment here by the hand of humans who are assuming they're carrying on the work of God on behalf of God by persecuting people? I mean, so there is all kind of things here that are on the line, and we have to be careful how we examine this. Here's another example. In the, um, the uh, chapter 9, verse 73, the current reading, we're going to call it the standard text, it, it says something to the extent uh, that uh, the prophet or the Muslims must treat uh, in harshly a uh, certain group of people who are infidels, basically, whose dwelling place will be in the hellfire. However, if we look at the original reading in the Sana'a manuscript, the 7th century reading versus the standard text of today, it never used the word hellfire. It just used the word fire. Well, um, there is another theological issue here. What does that mean? Is it fire today, burning people today, or is it fire later? burning people in the hellfire, and who's going to actually take on this action? So we can see that there are so many problems, theological problems, when it comes to those things. Um, Another example, uh, just a variation in uh, the type of word used here. In the chapter 9, verse 74 of the Quran, in the current Quran that we have today, it uses a word for swearing, that is different than the word that was used in the original manuscript of the uh, Yemen manuscript. Um, Now, why is that significant? Well, because Muslims believe that the word of the Quran hasn't changed. So someone took the liberty to change, uh, maybe contextualize the word instead of using certain words for swearing, uh, used one that may be more familiar with people. So this indicates that modifications of the text of the Quran was taking place. You see, it's all about this that is going to force Muslims to question the 
authenticity of the Quran they have in their hand today and the accuracy of the text and this doctrine of preservation. If certain passages and words have been changed, words been added, things been removed, then this really should cause the Muslims to ask questions. Do we really have the exact word that supposedly was revealed? What else has been tampered with? Are the theologies in this book accurate? Am I really to fight and do the things that I'm being asked to? Or were these theologies of jihad and other things were added later? Am I really saved by works? Or are these things that were added at a later time to manipulate basically the theologies of the gospel. I mean, it's, it's so many other things that Muslims have to ask themselves, but this mainly asking who is in charge. If God really, according to the teaching of Islam, is the one in charge that will protect the Quran from any corruptions, then why is it then that we have manuscript evidence even going back to the ones that are so close to the action, so close to the prophet time, according to Islamic dating system, yet... Uh, this is indicating some troubles already in terms of words that are being removed, words that are being added, things that are missing, variations uh, in readings, and so many other things. Not to mention, of course, that if we study the history of the compilation of the Quran, we discover that two of the major scribes of the Quran disagreed even on a number of chapters that they had in their hand, in their codex, compared to the one that we have today. For instance, today's Quran has 114 chapters. One of those major scribes who was credited by the Prophet to be the one that an authority on the Quran has actually all of the chapters of the Quran except chapter 1, chapter 113, and chapter 114. So he's missing three chapters. In other words, he has only 111 chapters. Another uh, scribe who is also uh, a prominent scribe that lived at the time of the Prophet and uh, wrote down the Quran, uh, his name is Ubay ibn Kab. He actually had two additional chapters uh, beyond what we have today. In other words, he has 116 chapters. So today's Quran has 114. One of the scribes has 111. Another one has 116. So Whose one is right? And who decided the 114? And why did the one, the caliph, the third caliph, after the prophet of Islam, who took it upon himself to change the dialect of the Quran into the specific dialect that he chose and burn all other copies, why did he decide 114 is the one that is accurate? When he wasn't a prophet, wasn't inspired, wasn't authorized whatsoever by the prophet before his death to do, take on a task like this. The bottom line is this, everything we are uncovering about the Quran lately, it proves that it's a man-made book, a man-made uh, book that has been tampered with by men, added or deleted things by men. Uh, uh, there are theologies that were imposed in it by men, theologies that were manipulated with by men, errors that were corrected and changed by men. And therefore, this tells us that the Quran we have in our hand today is not, not by any stretch of imagination, the same Quran that would have existed at the time of the Prophet. No one in right man can really um, make such a claim. Well, if you've been joining us, um, uh, you are listening to Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi.
And uh, we've been talking about uh, some uh, significant problems with recent discoveries in some of the Quranic manuscripts, uh, namely the Yemen or the Sana'a manuscript of 1972 that was discovered during the renovation of the great mosque in there. Uh, this topic is deep, as you can tell, and uh, I'm going to make an effort to continue this in the next episode next week. And uh, if you've been listening to us, thank you so much for taking the time to do so. You can always go back to our previous archive also either on our website at Sierra International, sierrainternational.com, and go to the section for Let Us Reason. You can also reach me directly at Sierra Ministries, ministries in the plural, C-I-R-A ministries at gmail.com, or email me myself at alfadi, alfadi at sierrainternational.com. Either way, uh, I look forward to hearing from you from either account and to interact with you. Until we meet again, thank you so much and have a blessed week. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.